This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we go, Hour 2, great day for talk radio. We've got our panel standing by shortly. They'll be joining us with topics worthy of discussion, several of which would include, of course, uh, the deal cancellation with Avista, the power company out there in Washington State. Uh, The fee to cancel is going to cost this government, you and me, $103 million. Now, uh, this a result of bad decisions by, what, the PCs of Doug Ford or maybe the previous liberal government who got us into the jackpot by buying these to begin with or attempting to, two coal-fired plants. Uh, We'll put that to the panel, along with uh, the story about the PCs proposing to cut class sizes for kindergarten and primary grades. Will that hurt the uh, quality of children's education? I was saying earlier that I I find it kind kind of ironic, if not paradoxical, that, uh, you know, they're going to lift the cap on the size of classes for the kids in kindergarten if they reduce the size of city council. And they're one and the same, basically, aren't they? So there you go, uh, working at cross purposes. But there's a whole lot going on, as well with the uh, provincial government. We know that they've actually uh, backtracked on this uh, Bill 66 that was to improve business in the province. And uh, one of the aspects of it had to do with allowing municipalities to basically make the call for themselves when it comes to development, uh, although they have to get provincial approval to override certain regulations. But it was about divesting more control and power to communities, uh, whereas before, when the Liberals ran the show, you might recall, uh, wind turbines were put in communities that didn't want them, but they were rammed down their throats. And the McGinney Liberals, especially with George Smitherman at the helm uh, on that file, he, he they brooked no dissent, and they didn't want to hear from He claimed it was nimbyism, and it created a lot of stress and strife and all the rest. So now uh, where Ford had planned to allow municipalities effectively to make the call on development, some of these municipalities in the Greenbelt, uh, it was felt that maybe they would start to incentivize developers to come in there, and that would uh, cede a lot of land, agricultural land, over to development. And uh, that was the flag from which, of course, there were a lot of uh, voices clamoring to suggest uh, the government was wrong on their policy here. It's called Schedule 10 of Bill 66. Let's find out exactly how this all played out. Mike Schreiner's on the line, the leader of the Green Party of Ontario and the MPP for Guelph. Mike, good to have you back on The Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, John. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. And I appreciate your coming on. So uh, as to uh, the Ford government backtracking here on Bill 66, this particular aspect of uh, the protection of the Greenbelt, did you feel that the Greenbelt would have been seriously compromised if this Schedule 10 part of Bill 66 that I just mentioned uh, allowed municipalities to uh, determine how they wanted to develop as long as they were greenlit by the province? Would that have compromised the Greenbelt? Absolutely, John. That's exactly why... Uh, so many people spoke out against it. And not only would it open the Greenbelt up for development, it would actually could potentially undermine the Clean Water Act as well. And I think so many people across Ontario, but particularly, you know, in southern Ontario, were just like protecting the places we love, protecting farmland, and protecting clean water is not red tape. And um, the fact that the Ford government has backtracked on this, um, good for them. Good for them for listening to all the municipalities who were speaking out against this, uh, opposition MPPs like myself and others who were speaking out against it, and really so many people across the province who were saying, you know what, government has a responsibility to protect farmland, to protect the places we love, and especially to protect clean water. So in other words, you're saying that they did accede to the wishes of the municipalities. 
oh, a lot of municipalities, uh, including, you know, my, my, my community here in Guelph, uh, passed um, resolutions over the last week or so saying that we want the Greenbelt protected. We do not want you to bring forward uh, Schedule 10 of Bill 66. And so, uh, you know, there were, it was not only people speaking out against that, but it was actually municipalities saying that they did not want that. Well, how do you feel then? Because I said in my preamble that uh, the time was under McGinty, and I cited Smitherman because I believe he was at the helm at the time uh, when these wind turbines were going into certain municipalities that did not want them. Uh, they still ramrodded them down that municipality's throat. Was that the right approach? Well, I've always felt that the Liberals uh, made a huge mistake in their rollout of the Green Energy Act, uh, primarily because they didn't ensure uh, local ownership, local benefits, and local job creation. And I've always advocated since the day one when the Green Energy Act was proposed that Ontario should be following best practices of countries like Denmark and Germany. Denmark, for example, requires 20% local ownership before any renewable energy project can go forward. And so then you have a situation where, uh, you know, members of local communities actually own a significant part of these uh, energy projects, which then leads to, you know, creating local jobs, local benefits, local tax revenue, instead of signing the deals with uh, multinational corporations and having the money leave communities. And I think if the Liberals had taken that approach where it was focused on local economic development, local job creation, you would have seen less opposition to some of these projects. Well, there had been opposition in other areas like, uh, I guess, up in Bruce Gray County, as well as, well, Haldeman County is littered with all kinds of wind turbines. You see them from the air if you're flying over Lake Erie. I mean, it's just an endless sea of these things. If they had resisted, uh, would it have been appropriate to tell them, uh, stifle, we're going to put these in anyway? Well, I think you need to work in partnership with local communities. I mean, I do think the province does have an interest in being able to say, you know, we need to generate energy somewhere. And if everyone says no to everything, then we're not going to be able to generate electricity. But to me, the the critical mistake the Liberals made was, again, not following international best practices. And I had a farmer explain this to me very well, Johnny. He said to me, you know, see that hog barn over there, Mike? You know, some people may think that thing stinks. But I own that hog barn, and I think it smells pretty damn good. See that wind turbine over there? A lot of people think it's pretty ugly. But if I owned that wind turbine, it wouldn't be so ugly. And I, so I think having, you know, using uh, renewable energy as an opportunity to democratize our energy system, to um, create more local jobs, more local power production, um, that would be a good thing. Unfortunately, that wasn't the approach the previous government took. And uh, I'm going to continue to keep advocating for that, especially now that the costs of renewable energy have dropped so dramatically. We can use it as an opportunity for local economic development, uh, local job creation, especially in rural communities as we move forward. All right, but you take those rural communities and by your own rationale then, uh, if they, if you want to democratize things in the community, Community decides they want some development and uh, it abuts the green belt or uh, even if there's a swap out of certain land would you support that well I think there's so on something like uh, um, the green belt protection and the Clean Water Act I think government has a responsibility especially when it comes to protecting clean water to say that you know what there are certain developments we're not going to allow or certain processes we're not going to allow in areas that could threaten 
clean water. I think we've learned from past mistakes that that's not the way to go. I think most people in Ontario recognize that, you know, clean water and productive farmland, um, that's not red tape. And let me just give you an example on farmland. Um, Do you know that the food and farm sector as a whole creates over 800,000 jobs in Ontario and contributes around $40 billion to the provincial economy. So protecting that farmland is essential, not only from an environmental perspective or a food security perspective, but from an economic perspective. Like, why would any government allow that asset base that generates all that wealth to be paved over, especially at a time when, you know, there's been studies by the Ontario Farmland Trust and others that have shown that Ontario is losing farmland at an unsustainable rate. And so I think that's exactly why... You know, farm organizations, municipalities, um, even I even spoke with a number of developers who are saying, don't open the Greenbelt for development. Because if you open it up for development in one place, then it puts pressure to open it in another place. And then you start getting municipalities um, battling with each other in a race to the bottom. And that's not where the province needs to go um, environmentally, economically, or from a food security perspective. Again, with Mike Schreiner, he's the leader of the Green Party of Ontario, MPP for Guelph. Yeah, some developers, uh, it depends where their parcel of land is located. And if it's You're right about that, John. <laughs> well, <laughs> now, uh, Steve Clark, the Municipal Affairs Minister, said uh, that. This Schedule 10 of development in the areas around the Greenbelt would only apply to municipal development of industrial land. So they had not targeted the Greenbelt. Do you believe him? Well, then why did they have the Greenbelt Act specifically stated in the legislation? And so, you know, if if the Greenbelt wasn't something that that they were proposing as being open for development, then why even have it in the legislation? And so I think that, you know, pulling that out of out of the legislation um, and you know we're going to make sure the the minister fulfills the commitment he made in the tweet he put out yesterday saying that that, that would be removed from the legislation I'm going to certainly make sure that happens um, and you know the, the thing is John the the government right now the minister um, does have the power to issue things that are called uh, ministerial zoning orders that if there is some sort of you know significant development that needs to take place and this is the only location it can take place and the minister does have the power to do that so i think you know for maybe those really rare instances where that might be an issue the minister already has the power so why why open why why even you know uh, open the greenbelt up for development and particularly having municipalities you know, bidding off of each other in terms of Greenbelt development, it's better just to protect that land and especially to protect that farmland. And also just, I'm looking at, you know, a lot of your listeners are in Toronto. You know, a huge issue we're facing is flooding from extreme weather events. And part of what's contributing to an increase in these floods is, you know, not only the extreme weather events, you know, driven by climate change, but also the fact that we're paving over a lot of the green space that absorbs the excess water. And so we really have a vested interest, and I would say from a financial perspective, a vested interest in making sure that we don't pave over that land so the earth, so that you know, nature can absorb that excess water and we don't have such huge costs associated with flooding. Well, certainly uh, it's uh, an urban issue. The other rare instance, I guess, of uh, where maybe the province could look into, you know, expanding 
into certain areas with special dispensation, as you just mentioned. Affordable housing is a major issue, and this is housing pressure is really why the government is looking at uh, certain areas and maybe swapping out some land in the green belt for other parcels that they've got uh, under administration. Do you see housing as uh, being a legitimate uh, cause for perhaps making incursions into the green belt? I don't think we we certainly don't need to um, open the greenbelt up for development to address the housing issue. I mean, there's been a number of studies that have shown that of the white belt land, which is land that's kind of in between urban boundaries and the greenbelt, and that is slated for development, only about 20% of that has been developed. So 80% of it still is available for development. So there's certainly land still available. One of the um, issues that keeps coming up over and over again when I speak with mayors and municipal councilors is the need for a province to have a strategy around brownfield redevelopment. A number of our of our you know small and large cities have um, old industrial lands that you know have been contaminated in some way that could be available for affordable housing or just you know development in general. But because the land's contaminated, it needs to be cleaned up. And so, if the province could bring in a brownfield redevelopment strategy and funding as a way to unlock a lot of that available land that's already existing within municipal boundaries for development that could be used for affordable housing. All right. Um, I'm going to have to let you go on that point, Mike. I mean, as as much as that might sound cost prohibitive, and uh, that would be one of the flags put up by developers and uh, even, uh, well, the other stakeholders, including government. It's an interesting prospect uh, to consider, but the green belt is sacrosanct. I got your point, Mike. I appreciate it. The government has uh, retracted that whole position and uh, will not develop any such, at least not for the foreseeable future. Uh, thanks for weighing in. Absolutely, John. Anytime. You got it. Mike Schreiner, again, leader of the Green Party of Ontario and the MPP for Guelph. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 